Good morning, Crosspoint. It's so great to see everyone. It's such a blessing to see you all. Uh, some of you come from very far away. We appreciate you being here. I know for some of you it's an extra effort and sacrifice to be here, so we appreciate you being here. Just know that you're a blessing. You know, just even having the two groups together. So this morning we have our Spanish and English group together, and you see how nice and full it looks and how it sounds different. It's just a different vibe to it. We're here for the Lord. We're here on this special Sunday morning because this is Resurrection Sunday, and it's such a blessing. For us as Christians, this is a, perhaps the most special day of the year that we get to celebrate. Let me uh, address our Spanish speakers, even though we have uh, translating. Buenos días a todos. Para mí es un placer mirarlos a todos. Yo sé que para algunos de ustedes estar aquí se requiere un poquito más esfuerzo y sacrificio. Le doy las gracias por estar aquí. Cuando tenemos los dos grupos, español e inglés juntos, siempre tenemos un diferente uh, ambiente que creo que a, a todos nos, nos gusta un poquito más. Excepto las personas que tienen calor ahorita, ¿verdad? Uh, I think most of us enjoy being together, except for those of you that get really warm, and you're like, so many bodies in here, it's getting warm, crank up the AC. The AC is full blast, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be all right. I want to do something this morning as we get started. I want us to be a little interactive. I, I heard many of you singing this morning, so you're interacting that way, but I want to say a little phrase, and I would love for you to repeat something back to me. I'm going to say, Christ our Lord is risen, and you're going to say, he is risen indeed. You ready? And hopefully it sounds really loud, and then we'll do it in Spanish. So, Christ our Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Nice. Now in Spanish. En español. Yo voy a decir, Cristo nuestro Señor ha resucitado, y ustedes van a repetir, ha resucitado en verdad. ¿Listos? Cristo nuestro Señor ha resucitado. Nice. I heard some of you practicing your Espanol there. Very nice. Hey, we're here because of this very special occasion. Some 2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. The scriptures say that he did that for you. He did that for me. Out of love, the Father sent his only begotten. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, was willing to come and give his life as a sacrifice for us 2,000 years ago. What a blessing. But he didn't just die, of course. Today and this Sunday, we celebrate his resurrection, him coming back from the dead after being in the tomb for three days. And so we're going to talk all about that this morning. I just want to express my gratitude to the Lord for all of you who are here. For those of you joining us online, we're grateful that you are able to join us online. And um, I want to mention just a couple of things here, and that is that our young adults will not meet today. But we will meet on the 24th. So if you're between 18 and 30-something, we invite you to come and join us. Sunday evenings here at church at 6 p.m. And then, two next week, the 24th, we're going to have a presentation of our babies and young children. So uh, we're going to do that in both services. And we, I know we have a lot of children that haven't been uh, presented. I've had a lot of people ask me if... You know, it would be a good time, so we're saying yes. It would be a great time if you've not presented your baby for you to present your babies or your young children this coming Sunday. Um, today, also, I'll let you know, there's at least two people, well, there's two people scheduled to be baptized today. And we always want to encourage anyone who knows the Lord, knows that God has done a 
working, a saving work in your life, if you know you're not the same person because Christ now lives in you, then we invite you to be baptized. If you ever have any questions, and I know some of you do, about being baptized, reach out to me. Send me a text, email. I uh, would love to hear from you and just chat over the scriptures as to where you're at in your walk with the Lord. All right? But we're excited. We're excited to do that today. That's all for announcements. The fact that we get to gather as God's family and celebrate what he has done for us is, is such a blessing. This morning, we want to take communion. And I know I had mine here. Yes, I do. If you don't have one, you might want to raise your hand and Jason will come around. Maybe Julio will come around and, and give you one of these if you want to take uh, the Lord's Supper with us. And I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 here. The Apostle Paul is reminding or instituting or reminding the institution of this holy sacrament to the church in Corinth. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23, and I want to read all the way to verse 25. And I want you to pay really close attention to verse, sorry, all the way to 26. All the way to verse 26. So let me read that. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26 says, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And listen to verse 26, because today is Resurrection Sunday. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Isn't that interesting? We are proclaiming Christ's death until he comes. So we're talking about his death, but we're not saying that he stayed dead. We're saying he's coming back, and we are to do this as a remembrance of him until he comes back. Why are we expecting him to come back? Because he's no longer dead, beloved. We don't believe in, we don't worship, we don't praise a dead God, but we praise him who raised Jesus from the dead after three days in the tomb. The Lord Jesus Christ indeed died for us, and taking the Lord's Supper reminds us, and we proclaim the fact that as you peel back the first layer, you take the bread, Jesus became flesh. The second person of the Holy Trinity took upon flesh in order that he would give his body as a payment, as a sacrifice in our behalf. So let's take this together. As you peel back the second layer, you see the juice that represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and we know this through biology, that life is in the blood. And in the cross, he shed his blood, his very life, as a payment for your sins and mine. Which sins of yours and mine? All of your sins and all of my sins. Let's take that together. And by God's grace, we will continue to do this until he comes back for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning and thank you for this beautiful event in which we gather as your family to praise you. 
and to remember and proclaim the fact that because of your love, you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, that he would take on flesh, live a perfect life, and then give that perfect life as a payment, as a sacrifice on our behalf. We will forever thank you. I thank you for each and every person that is here, for those joining us online, and even those who will be watching via recordings in the future. We pray for your blessing. We praise you. We bless your holy name, and we're grateful that this day we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I bless you, beloved. And this, this morning, I have an awesome privilege to be able to share with you from Luke. As you probably know, we've been going through the gospel according to Luke for the last several months. We are now in chapter 5, and we, Lord willing, will be in Luke for the next many months. But I wanted to jump ahead and look at Luke 24 and read verses 1 through 12 that has to do with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read that to you, and I want to share a, verse, a, a message with you entitled, He is Risen. He is Risen. What a privilege for us to be able to gather and celebrate and proclaim the fact that our Lord Jesus lives. The main point this morning is this. Christians living in the reality of a risen Savior bring glory to our God. When we as God's children live in the reality of a risen Savior, that brings glory to God. And what it means to live in the reality of a risen Savior is what I want to develop this morning. We're going to look at five points that complete the phrase, believing in a risen Savior means we live, and then five points. We're going to go fairly quick through those towards the end. So let me read Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. And before I read it, a little bit of background, a little bit of background here. So we're going to, we're going to pick up uh, on the first day of the week when the Lord comes back to life. But what happened before that, for the whole week prior to that, is important. Last week we talked about how it was palm, known as Palm Sunday. And that is the Lord's triumphal entry for the last time into Jerusalem. That was on Sunday, a week ago, 2,000 years ago. And then we see on Thursday, the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus with his disciples talking to them kind of for the, for the last time in that way before his death. On Thursday and they celebrate the Passover and that's the same night in which the Lord washes his disciples feet kind of one of one of the last lessons that the Lord presents or teaches his disciples to be servants of one another and to love one another it was that same night that he is betrayed by one of his disciples Judas Iscariot He's then beaten. He goes through a sham trial. He is spat upon. He's beaten, scourged. He's punched in the face. He has a crown of thorns placed on his head. He's ridiculed. His beard is plucked out. He's crucified. 
He dies. He's buried. And then we pick up Luke chapter 24, verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, that will be Sunday, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. They were angels. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying in themselves by themselves, and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. What an awesome account, and I would encourage you to at home, perhaps today will be a great day just to kind of go over that. And then if you have a bit of a study Bible, it'll probably tell you why you could read in Matthew, Mark, and John the similar account or the same account. And you, you, you kind of get a better sense of how things happened. And it's just amazing. But here are these women. And in Luke 23 at the end, we're told that these women that came with the Lord, one of them was Mary Magdalene. I, I could have preached on Mary Magdalene about the resurrection today, but um, I, I chose not to. But Mary Magdalene, this is a woman who had seven evil spirits taken out of her by the Lord. And she was from the region of Galilee, and she would follow the Lord everywhere he went, and she and other women would provide for the Lord out of their own money. The word says, fascinating. Wherever the Lord went, he had a group of people that would follow, and many of these were women, faithful, loyal women that were willing to sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ and his work. Awesome. And here they are on Sunday morning. On Friday, they prepared all these spices so they could treat the body. On Saturday, they rested. And on Sunday morning, early in the morning, the other gospel says before the sun even came up, they were ready to go to the tomb where they had followed the people that had put the Lord in the tomb. They followed and they knew where he had been laid. They saw the stone be placed. And the next morning, or on Sunday morning, they go there early in the morning with the spices. And to their surprise, and beloved, for us, it's kind of easy to say, like, why well, didn't they know he was going to rise? He told them he was, and indeed he did, many times. And even after these women saw and, and went back to the disciples and told them what had happened, they still didn't believe. I'll just share this quick word. For those of us that are here, 
and are still having trouble with doubts. And by the way, I don't know that all of your doubts ever go away, especially if you're really serious about being a student of God's word and really being a student and a follower of Christ. If you're a superficial Christian, chances are you have no questions, you have no doubts. But if you're a serious student of God's word and a serious disciple and follower of Christ, you probably have some doubts at some level, and you probably have some very deep, interesting, and important questions. I just want to throw that out there because in a group like this, I'm sure that there's some of us that are still struggling with some doubt. And, and when you read the account of the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, you're going to see that everybody doubted. And by everybody, I mean everybody. Even though they had been told by the Lord himself, they still doubted. If you have questions and if you have doubts, you know, I would say praise God for that. But don't leave them there. I believe you can find good, solid answers in the Word of God. And that's part of why you want to come to church. Meet some people that are maybe a little bit ahead of you in their knowledge and their experience and ask questions. And I'll tell you right now, as a pastor of this church, I have tons of questions. Awesome questions that I, my brain just comes up way short. But I love studying God's word. I love hearing God's word. I love learning God's truth. That's an honor and a privilege that we all have an opportunity to experience. So there you have it, the account, the Lord. At 33 years old. And these are things that we cannot really comprehend, beloved. This is not just a human being. He was completely human, but he was God in the flesh. I mean, he didn't have to come. He's a creator himself. But he did. And he didn't come to, in Luke, says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. To seek and to save that which was that is why he came. Jesus says that of himself in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For even the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And who is that? That's you. That's me. Lost. And Ephesians says we're dead in sins and trespasses. Talk about being lost, not just lost, but lost and dead. Not just lost and able to ask for directions. No, you were lost and you were dead in sins and trespasses. And what did you need? You needed God to come to seek you out and to save you because you couldn't do it on your own. And be careful with religion because religion will teach you that if you're just good enough, if you just stop doing enough bad things, maybe you'll earn your way to heaven. That is a teaching straight out of hell. And you'll find it in just about every religion out in the world. You can try as hard as you can. And as Christians, we are to strive to live holy lives. But you'll never, never, ever earn your way to heaven. You need a Savior. His name, the only name, is Jesus. All right. So we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 
I'm, I'm grateful that you guys are part of our congregation. Many of you are here for the first time, by the way. So I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting you. Some of you are here because you were invited through our Thursday uh, food distribution and you're here. We're grateful that you're here. Some of you are here. Uh, you haven't been here for a while, maybe, you know, COVID or whatever it was. Maybe you live far away and you made an extra effort to be here this morning. We're grateful that you're here. Some of you guys are here for the first time because somebody invited you. Um, I, I'm super, let me say this now, I'm super excited and encouraged when I look out here and see all of you. And especially before COVID, now it's two years, right? But two years ago, like our congregation looked very different. A lot of you are new to our congregation. We're grateful for that. We're encouraged by the fact that God has brought you to be part of our congregation. I want to encourage you to continue to come, to be part of this local church where you won't find any perfect people, but you'll find, I know, a lot of sincere people that understand that we're all broken and need of a Savior and somebody that will continue to guide us and lead us as a shepherd and that is our Lord Jesus. So that's what you're invited to. You're invited to come to Crosspoint and commit yourself to being a follower of Christ. There is nothing better, beloved, to be a follower of Christ. And our job is to help you in that by having our Sunday morning worship services, by providing growth groups during the week in which you can connect and meet new people, make friendships, and have an opportunity to learn, study, ask questions, and live with, within a community. And then we invite you to serve. I'm so grateful for all of you. You know, some of you guys may not, know, may not know this, but there was people here at 7 in the morning, if not earlier, making those burritos. Were they, were they good? Yeah, yeah kind of? All right, good. I was hoping for a big, loud applause, but thank you guys for, for yes. Our discipleship process is simple. Come to church on Sundays. Commit to growing spiritually through growth groups. And then serve with God's love here at church and outside of church. Do those things and you're going to be blessed. It's going to set you in a good path for you to grow spiritually and impact this world with God's love for his glory. That's what you're invited to. So I say that because I know there's a lot of you that are here for the first time. And uh, we're grateful that you're here. If you would do us the honor of giving us your information, either now outside or if you go to crosspointchristianchurch.com and scroll all the way down and fill out that simple contact form, you'll get emails and texts from us just to let you know what's going on. But we're happy, happy to have you. All right, so what do we do here? We study the Bible. It is my honor to be able to just open up Scripture and share with you God's Word. Today, being a, Re a Resurrection Sunday, we are pleased, we are excited that we get to gather all of us, our Spanish and English group together. Uh, you probably hear somebody talking in the back. Don't look at him with an with a evil eye. He's just translating for a Spanish group, but he has to hear me, and then he's got to translate. Um, and our Spanish speakers have a little headpiece there, earpiece. So here we go. Let me share with you five points. Since we're here because it's Resurrection Sunday, and we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ not only died for our sins, but he rose again, proving that he has power over death. And so when he says in John eleven twenty five 25 to, to Martha, that would be Lazarus' brother whom he's about to resurrect after four days of being in the tomb. He tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Christians, beloved, are different people on this planet. 
Christians are people that have been born of God. With what kind of life? Eternal life. John 3, 16, many of us learned that one since we were children. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We get to enjoy eternal life now, beloved. This life that we have now in Christ is eternal. And the Lord says, I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't just say, I have the resurrection within me. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Christians will physically die unless the Lord comes for you while you're still alive. But we will live forever with new bodies. Aren't you excited about that? Anybody like sick? or? Looks like I get sick pretty often. Every time I get sick, I look forward to a resurrected body where the Lord says in Revelation there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, no more crying, and no more death. What we have in Christ is something that cannot be compared. So in light of the fact that we believe in a risen Savior, let's, let's get to these five points. Believing in a risen Savior means that we live, point number one, grateful lives. Grateful lives why the fact that he lives implies you know that he resurrected implies what we've been talking about the fact that he died and that's something we can't comprehend the prince of life the creator of everything chose to give his life up to die for us how grateful would you be if somebody was to take your place i have an uncle don't tell me I have an uncle who um, was very ill. His kidneys were working like at 15%. And you know what happened? He has one son. You know what the one son did? He gave him one of his kidneys. And now my uncle is walking around and about. He just gave him a kidney, but he gave him a new, a new life, really. How, how grateful would you be for somebody to give you a kidney? I think if my kidneys were shot and somebody came and gave me a kidney, I would be pretty grateful. Well, how about if somebody was to, I mean, that's something that I think most of us can probably try to wrap our minds around. But what about if somebody comes and you're on your deathbed and says, I will take your place. Not only will I take your place, but I, in, in, in my place, I'm going I'm to take your place, and then in exchange, I'm going to give you a better life than what you had before. Way better. You know, that's what Christ does for us. He takes our place at the cross. See, the cross is what you and I deserve, not what Jesus deserved. He never sinned. He was perfect. But he takes your place. And he takes all your sin upon himself and he nails it to the cross. And he doesn't just do that. Then he says, now, the perfect life that I have, I'm going to give that to you instead. And because my life is perfect and I'm giving it to you, you have a perfect standing with the perfect holy God. That is the exchange. He doesn't just take our place. That will be good enough. 
but he takes our place and then he gives us everything that he possesses, including eternal life. The Bible says that we are sons, children of God, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That means that everything that God owns is yours. Some of you are like, what? That's exactly what the Bible says. But how hard is that to believe, right? That takes faith. Some of us are thinking, like, oh, can we have it now? Actually, the Bible says that you have it now. But our minds are silly, and we start thinking about money. We start thinking about material things. We start thinking about health. Everything that we can ever possibly desire is already ours. But the Bible talks about, and I want to talk about that in a little bit, the hope that we have of eternal life on the other side of this one. In the meantime, believing in a risen Savior means that we live grateful lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, there are tons of verses that, that are like this. It says, in everything, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will in Christ Jesus is for us to be, give thanks, to be grateful but we can't do that if we don't understand what God has done for us. If we understand at least a little bit about what Jesus has done for us, what he did for us, the price it cost him to take my place at the cross, we will live grateful lives. Over and over, the Bible says we are to live grateful lives. And not just here and there, but the Bible says in everything. Give thanks in everything. Not about everything. All of us right now, all 200 of us, I would be willing to bet if I wasn't a preacher. That all of us have circumstances that we would love that would be different. All of us do. And it would be very difficult to give thanks for those circumstances. I don't think God is telling us to be thankful for the tragedies, thankful for the loss. But he says, within those circumstances, we are still able to be grateful and if ever things get so dark and difficult in your life, all you need to do, I believe, is just look to the cross and understand what took place there. The God of the universe took your place. He took the pain. He took the penalty of your sin. He took the shame of your sin. He took it completely all and he offers you to let go of all that and just give it to him and experience a newness in life. When people get baptized, they are proclaiming that they have died with Christ, that they are identifying with Christ's death, his burial, and then his resurrection. We are resurrected in new life. And if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Everything that is old has been done away with. Behold, all things are made new. Isn't that awesome? So believing in a risen Savior means that we live grateful lives because he lives and because of everything that he's done for us. But point number two, it also means that we live joyful lives. Joyful. And boy, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it just seems like joy is more and more rare these days. When you find somebody that's really genuinely joyful, it's almost like they're weird. Right? Like the standard is to be grumpy. Like, what does your resting face say? You ever catch yourself, like a glimpse of you, when you're like, 
you weren't expecting, you see your reflection in the mirror in a car window or something, and you're like, whoa, who's that? That's grumpy me. And then if you're at the market, you see somebody smiling, it's like, what's, what's wrong with them, right? What's wrong with that guy? Maybe they're full of joy because of the relationship they have with the risen Savior. We are to live joyful lives because we believe, believe in a risen Savior. Philippians 4, verse 4, the Apostle Paul, while in prison, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let me continue with these. Believing in a risen Savior means that we live grateful lives, joyful lives, and point number three, hope filled lives because he lives we are promised that we too will live you know if christ would have just died for our sins and he would have stayed dead we'd probably be looking at ourselves like so should we believe him or you know he said he's the resurrection but his you could, you could go to israel and visit his tomb and his body's right there without the resurrection there is no christianity Without the resurrection, there is no hope for you and me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, read that chapter. And Paul says, boy, if, if there is no resurrection, then Christ hasn't resurrected. If he hasn't resurrected, then we Christians are like, he doesn't say that. We'd be the dumbest people on the planet. Pity filled people. But because there is resurrection... And because Christ has risen, and you read Acts, and he, sh he, he showed himself, not just to these women, but to his apostles, and then to 500 people at the same time, to the two disciples. I mean, he, he more than proved the fact that he was there after his death. Even when his disciples didn't believe in him. Remember, they're all gathered, scared, and doors all locked and he the lord just kind of comes right in their midst and they all panic and they think they're seeing a ghost and he says a ghost you got any food they're like oh we got some mcdonald's right here and they give them these filet of fish they fish and some bread and he eats in front of them he's like not a ghost he had a resurrected body they still didn't believe i'm telling you when you find doubt in your life don't let satan mess with you because whenever there's doubt in life you're going to be scared you want to dismiss it and ignore it like it's not there don't do that face it bring it up talk to one of your mentors if you're thinking like i don't have any mentors well you're going to start doing what we tell you to do at church find some mentors have growth group leaders and tell them you know what i don't know but i'm having trouble with this if you don't do that, Satan will get a hold of you. The enemy will get a hold of you and start telling you how you're the only one with doubts. And then you don't need the, if you don't read the Bible, you don't realize that everybody doubted. Even when they had them right in front of them, they still doubted. So don't do the enemy a favor and ignore your doubts or your questions. Face them. Bring them up. Study God's word. As you study, you lack faith. Study God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All of us lack faith. But what are you doing about it? Can't just, well, I pray every day that the Lord will give me faith. 
Well, read the Bible. Because God already said that through his word, you would gain faith. We are, believing in a risen Savior means we live grateful lives, joyful lives, hope-filled lives because he lives. The Bible says that he is the first fruits. You know what that means? He's the first of many. 2,000 years later, here we are with our faith in the risen Lord. Trusting that when our time here on earth expires, it will not be the end of us. It will be our graduation day. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, Mike, but I'm still scared. Well, read the word. Get in fellowship. I'd rather not think about it. Why? Because I'm scared. See that circular thinking there? I'm telling you, a bunch of Christians panicking about dying, like if it's the worst thing that could happen, when Paul says, hey, I would rather choose to die and go and be with the Lord, but okay, I'll stay back here just for your benefit. But if it was up to me, Paul would say, I'd go right now. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's better. Oh, but most of us are so comfortable with our lives. Right? I say that for myself. Hope-filled lives. Colossians 1.27. To them God willed to make known that what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. What is that mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you live with the hope of glory. I mean, do you realize that at any minute, we could be gone? At any minute. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, we, we make the mistake of thinking like, well, I'm pretty healthy. Yeah, but healthy people die all the time. Not only to scare you, but you have to be honest with yourself. Healthy people die all the time. Hope-filled lives, that when this life ends, the hope of glory. And hope in the Bible is not like the hope that we, you know, you lend somebody money, it's like, I hope you pay me back, but you kind of know they're not. But I hope so. It's not wishful thinking. In the Bible, hope means it's certainty. I know it's going to happen. And again, if you have trouble with that, it's because you lack faith. If you lack faith, it's because you're not in the Word, and you're not, you don't know what, what Paul says. See, the, the word of God is alive. And when you read things like in Philippians, when Paul says something like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, most of us have to learn that. You normally don't just become a Christian and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I can't wait to die because it's gain. No, it's, it comes through experience. It comes through a changed life where your life is no longer about you. It's now about pleasing Christ. And the more you please Christ in this life, you, your bondage and your affection to this world lessens to the point where you then will feel, I don't care about the riches of this world. I don't care about what this world has to offer, the comforts and the entertainment and all that stuff that my flesh loves. I don't care about that stuff anymore. I care about pleasing God. I care about his will and his kingdom. And so as your affection for this world lessens and your love for Christ increases, you will get to the point where you're like, I don't need to be in this world. I'd rather be with him. 
And you don't have to wait till you're old and sick and feeble and whatever. You could have that attitude as a young person. You know, the Lord could have said, well, since it's my plan, I think I'll die when I'm 130. That way I don't offend anybody. Right? Nobody 130 here? Okay. You get in trouble, you know. He could have said that. But he died, what we would call at the prime of his life. For those of us that are older than 33, remember being 33? Hmm? Some of you don't even remember. <laughs> if you do remember what it was to be 33, now you probably realize, man, I wish I could be 33. I think I was like at my, right around my prime. Maybe a little past. While the Lord died at 33, so did John the Baptist, by the way. And what do we think? We think, what a tragedy. How sad. No, 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 no. Sad is a person that lives a long life never yielding their life to Christ, never understanding the purpose for which they were born, never experiencing love, joy, gratitude that we can find in Christ. So grateful lives, joyful lives, hope-filled lives because Christ is risen. Number four, believing in a risen Savior means we live love-filled lives. Love. God is love, beloved. And the Lord in chapter 13 of John says that people on the outside are going to believe that we are Christ's disciples by our love towards one another. Not by what we say, but how we demonstrate love for one another. And we have to ask ourselves, how are we doing with all these things? If I believe in a risen Christ who promised that because he lives, we too will live forever, am I grateful? Am I joyous? Am I hopeful? Am I a loving individual? You know, the Bible says that, that though we are sinners, Christ died for us. That's how he demonstrates his love. God demonstrates his love to you and me, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, that's such an awesome verse. While we were still sinners, offensive, repulsive to God who is holy and cannot stand the presence of sin. While we were yet sinners, he didn't just say hi. He didn't just invite us in. He died for us. Isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Do you love? Do you love only the people that you think love you? Do you love the way God loves you? Unconditional. Sacrificially. Isn't that hard? You know what Christ said? He said, love your enemies. Can't even stand my enemies. Love my enemies. And why would he say that? Because that's exactly what he did with you. That's exactly what he did with you. And he says, love your enemies. 
Because we believe in a risen Savior, it means we are to live love-filled lives. That is how other people will know that in many ways that God is even real. When you express a God type of love towards them, that is a responsibility and a privilege that we get to possess as children of God, as, as representatives of Christ. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And this lost world who doesn't know God needs to know him. They need to know about his love. It is his kindness that will lead people to repentance. And that kindness and that love will often be, has to be shown through us through our actions and through our words and sharing the gospel and pointing them to Christ and what he did for them at the cross ultimately. Grateful, joyful, hopeful, love-filled, and point number five to wrap it up. Believing in a risen Savior means we live obedient lives. Obedient lives. Um, the, the verse before that about love says, he who does not love does not know God for God is love. And the Lord Jesus in chapter 14 of John verse 15 says, if you love me, what? If you love me, he said, keep my commandments. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do the things that I say. Don't be ridiculous. You can't call me Lord and not do what I say. It's like, why do you call me boss and then you never do what I ask you to do, employee? I mean, that's hard enough. He says, Lord, mean I own you, Christ says. You are my property. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says you have been bought with a price. You no longer belong to yourself. You are his new creation. And therefore, he is our Lord, our master. We are to do whatever he says we are to do in obedience. Not out of fear, but out of gratitude, joy, hope, and love. Because of Christ did for us, he died for us, and he rose again. So as, in a, as a matter of conclusion, beloved, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you don't feel like, well, I went to a risen resurrection Sunday hoping to get, like, you know, energized and talked about how I should live. Well, beloved, if Christ is risen and the church does not show that to the world then what are we here for? Like, that's our testimony. In chapter 1, verse 8 of Acts, the Lord, the risen Lord, tells his disciples before his ascension, he says, you are going to be my witnesses, starting here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the world. His witnesses, what are we going to witness to? His resurrection. How do we know the Lord lives? Well, look at my life. Look at my gratitude to the Lord. We need to tell the world. Look at my joy despite my circumstances. Look at the hope that I have in him. Look at my love which wasn't there before, before Christ saved me. And look at my obedience that is so contrary to our human nature. Your human nature doesn't want to obey anyone. You know, when I used to teach second grade, I think it was second grade, yeah, second grade. Fun times. That was like 18 years ago. I had this student, I won't tell you his name in case he's watching, I don't know, little second grader. You know what he was diagnosed with? Let me try to remember. 
He was diagnosed with, I don't remember the exact diagnosis, but it was basically authority defiance syndrome. I'm sure some of you guys know what that is or what the actual name is. Here's an eight-year-old who has been diagnosed with an inability to submit to any authority. This kid didn't care if he was a teacher, the assistant, the assistant principal, or the principal. Eight-year-old. That was probably some of you like, oh, maybe that's what I have. <laughs> that explains everything. Any authority figure, this child had an inability to submit, just this fight within them. Anytime there was conflict, that kid had a win, and it didn't matter who it was. I never told him that, but if I would have said, like, I'm going to call the cops on you, you know what he would have said? Go ahead, sir. <laughs> that didn't work. Now what? Isn't that amazing? But you know what the Bible calls that? We actually all have that. An unwillingness to submit to God's authority. We all have it. That's why we're dead in sins and trespasses. We want to do whatever we want. You were born with that, the Bible says. And as soon as you got old enough, you started lying. You started cheating. You started fighting. You started being selfish. You were born with all that. Isn't that amazing? I hope nobody's sitting there like, no, not me. My mom said I'm always been a very good boy. Mm. She's lying. <laughs> She's lying. <laughs> She's just being nice to you. We're all born with that. And so when we talk about living grateful lives, that's, that's not normal. Being joyful, not normal. You know what's normal is to look at all of our circumstances, especially the bad ones, emphasizing those in our mind and just feeling sorry for ourselves and being angry with everyone. That's normal. Hope-filled lives. Nobody wants to hope, especially this generation, right? Where you get upset because the microwave's taking too long. <laughs> 45 seconds to warm this up? Instant gratification. But for us as Christians, we say what, what Paul says in chapter 8, verse 16 or 18 in Romans. He says, for I am convinced... That the difficulties and the hardships of this life are not worthy to compare with the glory that I will experience in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And we all have the hardships. We all have the difficulties. And we're all going to experience tragedies. And beloved, man, the invitation is to, to come to church, to connect with the church... So that when you, not if, but when you go through these things, you're going to have people to support you and pray for you and help you when you need help and cry with you when you're crying and rejoice when you rejoice. That's what the church is. That's the invitation. You don't have to do this life alone. But to have be grateful, joyful, hope-filled, love-filled, obedient to God and to show that to the world is to proclaim that we indeed believe in not a dead Savior, but a risen one that lives in us. I am crucified together with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's no longer I. Christ lives in me. And this new creation shows naturally gratitude, joyfulness, hope-filled lives, love, and obedience. And if you say, like, Mike, but I don't do any of those perfectly, I join the club. Of course none of us do. That is the Christian walk through which we need to be good disciples, be disciplined in helping each other and encouraging one another and teaching one another to become more like Christ. Because ultimately these have looked very familiar, right? Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all that is what needs to come out of us naturally because Christ, the risen Savior, lives in us. Boy, beloved, as we dismiss, just keep that in mind. We believe, we trust in, we know a risen Savior, and that risen Savior lives in us. And no matter where you are in your life, whether you grew up in this church or you grew up in church like I did, or it's your first time here, first time hearing some of this stuff, it doesn't matter where you are. We can all start right here, go forward in the power of Christ our Lord who lives in us in order that we would bring him honor and glory in everything that we do because our risen Lord deserves it. I hope you have a great, wonderful day. I hope you glorify God today. Be mindful of the fact that it's Resurrection Sunday, such a special day, and the implications of that are tremendous for our lives. None of us are where we should be or could be, but I pray that you would be sincere in wanting to follow the Lord together with us so that we can walk together in newness of life, growing as Christians, and letting God do a work in our lives that is transformative and leaves us and all and people around us just wondering, how do I get what that person has? And when they ask you, say, I have Jesus, my risen Lord. Well, today we get to visibly experience two people at least wanting to publicly say, I am ready to give my life to the Lord. I praise him for what he's done. I identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. And through baptism, I want to publicly proclaim my faith and trust and dedication and commitment to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so um, I'll tell you really quick that uh, the two people that contacted me to want to get baptized, what we're going to do is... We're going to have a baptistry just rise from, I'm kidding. I said maybe we'll have it here. You're thinking like, where are they going to do it? And we're going to have it in our, in our baptistry next door. We invite you to all go over there, fill up that room, and experience and rejoice with our brother and sister who are being baptized today. One of them is Lisette, who's also my cousin. And the other one is Jose from Visalia. So let's, let's end here, and we will see you next door. You have about five minutes to get over there. Make sure you say hi to people. Again, for those of you that are here for the first time, we welcome you. We're grateful to have you. Uh, we look forward to being able to serve you. That's what we're here for, to grow with you, to answer questions, to help in any way that we can for God's glory. And so I know there's many of you here for the first time. We welcome you. We're grateful that you're here. And let us know if we can be of, of any help to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this awesome service, for our, an opportunity to praise you through worship, through songs, through studying your word, and looking at Luke 24 and the account of your, res, of your son's resurrection, our Lord Jesus. We see the unbelief 
even when, when, when our Lord was in front of them, and Father, we, we see some of that in us. Uh, we see some of those inconsistencies in our lives that we proclaim to believe and trust in the risen Lord, and yet our lives don't often show that. We pray for forgiveness for that, and we pray for courage. We pray that you would help us to be committed to you, not to any person, but to you, Father. We want to honor you. We want to proclaim the Lord Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection, till he comes. We're grateful for everybody who's here. I pray for your blessing on those who are hurting, going through difficulties. For those that are, 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 are doing great right now, we pray that you would strengthen them and give them a desire to, to bless others as a family would. We thank you for Crosspoint. We ask for your blessing and protection. We thank you for Jose and his family from Visalia. We thank you for Lisette and her family from Ontario that are here wanting to publicly proclaim their trust and their commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What a privilege for us as Crosspoint to be able to receive them and, and witness this. We pray that you would help us to encourage one another and grow one another for your honor and glory. We pray that you would dismiss us on this special day for we pray in the mighty, wonderful name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You are dismissed. We'll see you next door for the baptisms.